0: You're listening to the Boss Business of Surgery series, episode 112. Today, I'm talking with Chad Holmes. He wrote the book, The Inheritance Playbook How We Help Our Parents Pass the Torch, Not the Tax. This is information we all need to know. And it's that time of year again. We're starting enrollment for the Difficult Partner and Colleague. If you want to learn how to deal with your difficult partners and colleagues, then go to BossSurgery.com and find out more. Welcome, Surgeons. I have Chad Holmes on here. So his wife is a surgeon and she posted about his book. And I've been so excited to have him on here because I don't know any of this. And I know I need to know this. So I suspect other people need to know this. So I'm really excited that he's on here to talk. Chad is a certified financial planner, a CPA, CPWP, CRPS. He describes this as alphabet soup. So Chad, first tell us a little bit about yourself. What do all these things mean? And give us an idea of what it's like to be a certified financial planner. And what was your goal in becoming this?
1: Thank you for having me on, Dr. Bertres. I am very excited to be here. And the alphabet soup, it is the financial planner aspect of it is the fun things I get to do with people are deep dive into personal finance. So what are we doing with taxes and insurance and estate planning? And, you know, education, planning, debt management, cash flow, all the fun stuff. And especially retirement planning. When we get to retirement, where are we pulling money from? The other letters in that alphabet soup just show that I passed a test at one time that said, hey, I know the knowledge a little deeper in taxes and high net worth folks and retirement plans. So all of it's to say that I'm here to help people with personal finance and help them feel more at peace, more confident that they're doing the right thing, moving in the right direction, and ultimately are not going to waste money on unnecessary taxes or fees or run out of money, things like
0: that. And what really got my attention was this this new book that you had that came out called The Inheritance Playbook, Helping Your Parents Pass the Torch, Not the Tax. And I know me speaking for myself, we think that we're just as an adult going to raise our kids if we have kids. But when our parents start to get older, we start to forget we have to start paying attention to them as well. So not just their health and their well-being, but their wealth and assets and things like that too. So I thought your book was really great on all the things that it covered. So tell us a little bit why you wrote this book. What was the po- what was the purpose of it?
1: My parents are in their early 60s, and their parents are getting on up there. Uh, we lost a, my granddad earlier this year, and... My parents are both CPAs, very smart money people, extremely smart, and I would bring to them suggestions and questions about different planning ideas. I said, "Hey, have you taken care of this with Grandma and Granddaddy or Mom and Pappy?" And and well, no. What does that mean? Why would we do that? And it hit me after several iterations of this: of Hey, my very smart accountant-minded parents don't know all this stuff. I bet a lot of other people don't either. And when you have a financial planner or a retirement consultant, most of the time that person is focused on you as the individual. You're my client. What can I do to maximize your money? Rarely do people think, all right, what about the generation above you or the generation below you? Because when you look at it from a multi-generational standpoint, a few simple tweaks that don't cost you anything to do can save you thousands of dollars and many, many hours of, of time with probate. We can avoid probate or minimize probate. This this can make the transition from losing a parent, which is awful, obviously, but let's get away from the unnecessary hurt of paying taxes that didn't need to be paid or inefficient strategies that are just the default. And if we're just a little bit proactive we can extremely make an extremely more simplified process for that transition.
0: What exactly is probate? I've heard about it, but I don't know much about it. What is the point?
1: So probate is the way that the courts can verify, hey, this person has passed. They had a will or they didn't have a will or they had a trust. Before we just start handing things out, we need to verify that all their debts are paid. We need to make sure that the beneficiaries are the intended beneficiaries. We need to make sure that a cousin and a brother are not fighting about, no, they told me I was going to get this versus if there's a disagreement in your retirement account, like your 401k at work says, hey, I want this account to go to my child, but the will says everything, no exceptions goes to my nephew, whatever. The court walks through all of this And make sure there's a final decision that is approved and we settle. And this also, the period of probate can be a few months to a couple of years, and you can't really access some of the assets during that period. So if we can avoid probate, we can really shorten that time that, that the assets, our parents' legacy is locked up. And so it can be expensive. There can be lawyers and accountants involved. And it's definitely time consuming because there's a lot of back and forth and there's minimum window of time that debtors can come in and say, hey, you still owe me from this bill that we sent a long time ago. But once probate is done, those debtors can no longer come and, and have any claim to the inheritance that you received. So it's a big, messy situation with that has a little bit of good to it because you want to make sure everything's done right, but it's very inefficient and very expensive.
0: Right. So... Your book, I know, talks about a lot of the ways that can help with that. And I thought the, the first um, chapter of this, which it's really great how you set this book up, which is basically telling stories. So it's not like a dry, boring. I love how you brought humor to it. So I know the first thing is basically like, where's the stuff? So what is your suggestion when you first start? I imagine, and I know that my, my dad is very organized, my mom, not so much. So I think if someone were to ask me where their stuff is, I would have no idea. So where do you start when it comes to finding the stuff?
1: Yeah. So if you're talking about your parents or grandparents, depending on their age and communication ability, it's what's called taking inventory. That's the nerdy accounting term. Let's get an inventory of where everything is. Is there a hidden safe deposit box somewhere? Is there cash in a under a mattress or buried in the backyard? Do you have insurance policies? And with what company are those insurance policies held? And, and then if they were military, where's that information? Because if we want to do the the appropriate burial stuff, we need to have those documents and have some information there. And then, yeah, so accessing social media accounts. How can I get in there? Can I get passwords? Can I get uh, a, a way to find passwords maybe? And then there's also, what are all your banks? Where are all your retirement accounts? Who should I call? Who's your accountant and your financial advisor and lawyer that I need to be speaking with? Where's your will? Do you have a will? who's your power of attorney, things like that. So there's a massive list of things that the executor, which is the name of the person that's in charge of settling someone's estate, often a spouse or a child. And the female name of executor is executrix, which is a, a fun word, but okay. the male is executor. Yeah, I don't know why they chose that. but So they are able to be in charge of who gets what, and but you can't do that if you don't know where things are. And so the website of the book, actually, at the inheritanceplaybook.com, I have various resources throughout the book that I say, hey, if you want a free resource, a free template, good questions to ask your parents, go to the website. And so for chapter one, I think it is where we talk about inventory. There's a template of, hey, here's the things we need to find. And so you guys can just go there and download copy for free. You don't even have to have the book to, to, to do this. So but it's a great, really brainstorm to make sure, are we thinking about everything? Have we asked all the right questions? Do we know there's social security? Do we have birth certificate and things like that that we may need? And we're certainly gonna need death certificates when the time comes. So get plenty of copies of that. So just a lot of good questions to think through that maybe aren't as obvious as you would
0: think. So helpful. Yeah, that inheritanceplaybook.com, I'll make sure that include that in the show notes as well. Because I mean, there's so many things that we don't even think to ask. Now, when it comes to the idea of, of probate, you know, what helps us prepare for probate? Is it putting things into a trust? Is it and stuff? And I know these are probably, I mean, these are obviously highly complex things that we're Mm -hmm. mostly just getting some introductory information for, but what are some of the things that we can do to help us in this process?
1: I, I do think if trusts are done the correct way, many times that is just your straightforward, easy answer. It's kind of a catch all because anything that's in the trust can pass outside of probate, except if there's a debtor or somebody that is owed money. But otherwise, you don't have to go through the probate court. You just follow the rules of the trust that say, hey, this is the new owner of everything that's in the trust. And often there is a what's called a pour over will. So it's like you're pouring over everything that's not specifically listed as belonging to the trust. The pour over will will say, Hey, everything not in the trust goes into the trust at my death. And so there's maybe a little bit of probate there, but the trust is your easy answer. I wrote this book because I think trust often scare people. And so I think in the very beginning of the book, I'm like, Hey, you should probably do a trust. But since a lot of people don't do that, there's a lot of free ideas that you can do to take advantage of this opportunity while your parents are still alive. And, and in fact, I originally was going to call the book Before They're Gone, because I wanted to emphasize, this is stuff that you want to do on the front end before they're passing, because once they're gone, then it's like, all right, now we're just in you know reactive defense mode. There's nothing to do. But if you can take the time now and be on offense and take care of these strategies that are, I think, pretty much everything I mentioned is free to do. And it's, sometimes it's just like retitling an account. So instead of your mother's individual investment account, change it to a transfer on death account. That moves outside of probate. It goes directly to you, the beneficiary. You don't, I mean, it. it's just retitling it. it. It costs no money, and it's such a super simple, easy way to take advantage of the opportunity at hand. You don't become an owner, it's not a gift. There's no gift consequences there. It's just, hey, instead of going to my estate, this goes directly to my beneficiary outside of probate.
0: Right. I kind of imagine like a trust is like a box and you just kind of shove the box to the next person. And I think like you've changed the title. You're like, you're both holding the box. And so the one person lets go of the box, the other person's still holding it. I
1: love it. That's that's great. Yeah. No,
0: I thought it was really fascinating how you talked about risk tolerance. Now I know that when I paid attention, like when we have a lot of room to go, we should have high risk things because we can manage volatility. And everyone's told when they're late, get older to avoid the, the high, the volatility, because when you're older, you may need the money. But tell us your philosophy on risk tolerance when it comes to someone who may be passing this on to us at some point.
1: Yes. So the default advice is, like you said, when you're younger, let's be more aggressive. As we approach retirement and go through retirement, let's take some risk off the table, especially if it's not necessary, because as we're living on that money, we're pulling it down, you can't really withstand uh, a big volatile market, a big swing going one way or the other. Well, I guess really just one way. We can definitely withstand the swing. So that's the default advice. And I think that's very good advice. However, if your parent is in their 80s and likely have a few years left, and they've got more money than they're ever possibly going to spend because they've got their long-term care situated with either their policy or they're self-insured, or they, they just have plenty of assets. Let's earmark what we think in a conservative fashion. Hey, let's think what do the doctors say they're going to live, and let's add a few years. Let's earmark that amount of cash to be somewhat conservative for them. The rest of it, it's not intended for them. That's intended for next generation. And as such, it should match the risk tolerance of next generation. So for example, the easiest way to, to discuss risk tolerance to me is talking about stocks versus bonds. So typically we think of as stocks as riskier, higher expected, higher expectation of return and bonds generalized statement, but bonds are safer and less volatile. So let's say when we're approaching retirement, We're in what's called a 60-40 portfolio, 60% in equities or stocks, 40% in bonds. And that's pretty common as people approach retirement. You know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you're probably 95-5, you know, almost all stocks or 100-0 in many cases. And then 30s and 40s, you you drop down to maybe 80-20, 50s and 60s, 70-30, 60-40-ish. But if you're at 50-50 or 60-40, let's, let's say 60-40, and your mother is very conservative, like a 20-80, where only 20% is exposed to stocks because she was told she needs to get out of risk, and that's fine. But if the money is not going to be used by her, let's make part of that account match your own risk intolerance tolerance as the beneficiary of that account. Now, of course, this advice doesn't work if the market drops, because then you expose yourself to more risk. But- the expectation is always that the market will go up over time. So on average, the advice should play out where there's a higher expected rate of return by increasing that risk in her account for that section of the money that is intended for next generation.
0: Very cool. And this reminds me of a concept that I'd heard for the first time in Die With Zero. I don't know if you're (laughs) familiar with that book. So it's great because like, there's the amount of money that we're going to use in our lifetime. And what do you do with the extra stuff? And it sounds like your parents and grandparents, they may have some idea how much they need. Just like you said, I mean, we earmark money for life insurance and long-term insurance and different things that we may earmark stuff for, but then the rest of the money is what is going to go to the next generation. And that makes sense to use that since that's essentially kind of extra to mm-hmm. maximize what you could get out of for the next generation. Um The other concept that was also in the book that you talked about is with that money that you don't think you may need to use in your lifetime, why wait till you're dead? (laughs) Tell us a little bit about about that concept.
1: The why wait until dead?
0: um, To pass, you know, information or not information, money along to your...
1: The family gifting stuff. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So it's really nice to receive an inheritance, I assume. I haven't had one, thank goodness. But as the giver of that money, let's say you are the, the elderly person, and this is something we can... It's hard to discuss because it seems selfish if you're having this conversation with your parent or your grandparent. But if, again, there is extra money, and we know that it, it is not intended for that aging person, but for the next generation or two generations down, if there is money available... Wouldn't you want to see the smile on that person's face? See it in person as you give that gift. Let them tell you about what they did with that money. Hi, mom or grandma. I was able to pay off my medical school debt and my shoulders have lifted. I feel like I'm three inches taller because I don't have that burden above me anymore. Or, hey, look at these pictures. We just went on vacation with that money you gifted us. So there's ways for, for people to gift now, instead of just keeping it, I've got millions in in my investment account. I'm not going to use a fraction of it, and then you can get it when I'm gone. Okay, but what if what if you gave it earlier? Because it can just be so fulfilling, rewarding to see. You know, everybody loves getting a gift, but you also love giving a gift and seeing the smile on the recipient's face on on their face. So it's a different approach to giving. The other thing I talk about in that chapter about gifting is what's called disclaiming an inheritance. So I don't want to get in the weeds with what gifting tax laws are, but big picture right now, someone can basically gift up to $13 million throughout their life and not pay any taxes on it. The recipient doesn't pay taxes on it. There's no gift tax until you get above that amount. Now you may have to record that you're gifting an amount if you give more than I think it's 17000 in one year to one person, but it, it doesn't cost you anything to do so. You just have to keep track of it so that you eventually know hey, did I ever hit that $13 million mark? No. Okay, well, then there's no taxes. <laughs> so let's say we got three generations grandmom, mom, and youngest daughter. So passes and mom receives the inheritance as the child. She gets that inheritance and it's all hers. Well, what if mom is completely independently successful, does not need this money? If she were to gift down to the next generation, she'd have to file that gift tax form. It would count against her lifetime gifts. And so it can get a little sloppy, but there's a a process called disclaiming an inheritance. So what happens when you disclaim an inheritance is mother in the middle generation says, you know what? I appreciate this inheritance, but I don't want it. So go to the next person in line. Well, because the will was set up so that it goes down the bloodline in case the mother was gone, it would go down to the third generation daughter. When mother disclaims that inheritance, daughter gets it, gets all that inheritance. And no, it's not a gift from anyone. No one has to worry about gift taxes or filing a gift tax return. It's just the inheritance skipping one generation and going down to the next because it was disclaimed. And if if the middle generation is independently successful, wouldn't it be awesome for that young physician to get that money now earlier in their life where they can finally enjoy their 30s after sacrificing, you know, a decade in training and losing nights and weekends and missing out on all the fun events in life that I, my wife, endured. But now we get to skip it without having to worry about get taxes.
0: Yes, it's absolutely true that book die with zero is the first concept that I've seen is that the purpose of that wealth that we generate over our lifetime is to do something. Having this idea that every dollar has a job, that's a you need mm-hmm. a budget concept. So every dollar that we earn has some job to do, either it helps us feel more secure or it gives joy to someone else. And therefore we get joy and magnifying joy in the world. And if just like for you, you mentioned that your great grandparents are are alive and I imagine they're 80s, maybe close to 90s. And if they die and give it to your parents who are in their 60s, they're past probably where the bulk of their concern in life may be, their worries and things like that. They're past the young kids and in college and expenses and things like that. So it makes a lot of sense to, spread your wealth as you go along and it takes getting to know how much you need in your life and once you do that why why keep extra this idea of dying with zero because you've mm-hmm. already distributed everything that you need and so you've lived full life and at the end when everything's all used up they just toss you to the ground
1: as <laughs> simple as that right <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anyway, so that was the first time I'd heard that. And I really appreciate the fact that that you mentioned that as well. I mean, we do save money to help our family. Why not help them to where we can enjoy it too? I mean, then we all get to enjoy all of that. And why wait until they are the only ones that get to appreciate it? Yes. So,
1: and it, it is difficult being the recipient to say, hey, you should give me this. It's a weird conversation, <laughs> yes. but it's something to think about. And and some. Yes. of me hopes that even the oldest generation is picking up this book and saying what can i be doing to help make everything smooth and efficient speaking of the word efficient i want to pause here and talk about how the original title for the book i thought tax efficient inheritance was the greatest title in fact as soon as i thought of it i was like i'm getting the domain i purchased the domain from GoDaddy, loved it and i told my wife caitlin who brilliant brilliant surgeon not wealth manager or anything I said, how about the idea, tax-efficient inheritance? And she goes, that's stupid. I hate it. Like, I don't even know what that means. Don't do that. And so then we went from there to proactive inheritance. And finally, the Before They're Gone was the title. And I- I've got a list in Excel of probably 100 different titles I, I workshopped. And uh, we finally agreed on the inheritance playbook. And I do think it's much more fitting. And it, it made for a great cover design. Uh, with the family making a play, uh, like a football strategy. So that is the story of the name of the book. And if anybody wants taxefficientinheritance.com, let me know sell it to you for
0: a domain is available. I
1: don't want it anymore. I mean,
0: it's, it's absolutely true. It, and this is all what business is, is evolving to get the message out there. And the message that we think is absolutely great may not resonate with other people. I totally get this, by the way, because my uh, LLC, by the way, is medical mindset. You don't see that anywhere, right? Because no one knows what that means.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I have to run a lot of my ideas by Caitlin when they come to mass communication, because she and I have very different brains and it's really nice to bounce that off of her because she's very good at thinking no nobody's gonna think about it like that don't do that
0: so my business coach she says that she runs all of her stuff by her mother who it has to be so obvious and it's kind of like if it passes mama's test it should be okay
1: (laughs) that's good yeah my family the old the eddie murphy nutty professor My mom's very much the Hercules, Hercules, so it's hard to get constructive criticism from her because she just wants to say, I love it. You did great, baby. You're so wonderful.
0: (laughs) That is fantastic. Caitlin Um, has
1: no problem telling me that.
0: (laughs) Yes, I love it. So just as a side, where did you guys meet?
1: We met in undergrad at University of Tennessee at Martin. We were both in the, they called it the scholars program there for academic honor stuff.
0: Yes. And I could tell from the way that she had posted it, sort of laughing about it, I could tell that there was some sort of uh, inside joke behind it. So it's very clear. It sounds like this is your domain and this is hers and you guys sort of interact in, in mild ways, but otherwise don't understand the other.
1: Yeah, it's it's fun. Our, our dinner conversations, it's hard for me to understand, to share big tax strategy wins But she can say, I cut off someone's breast today. I'm like, I know all those words. I know what they mean. So I guess we're just going to talk about that today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So transitioning a little bit to, I mean, this is primarily a podcast with surgeons. So I know that you primarily do a lot of the childcare in the family. So tell us a little bit about, about how that evolved. Because one aspect that people always want to know is how do I help my spouse who's helping me?
1: So through residency, I was the bigger earner in the family. We didn't have any children and we were in Texas and uh, it got to the point where she was going to go up to Ohio for fellowship for one year. I was going to stay back in Texas. We could do long distance. We did it plenty before, so that wasn't really going to be a concern. And this was end of 2019. We're planning this out. Well, we, we get pregnant. It's 2020 covid I have, I'm like, well, I'm not letting you go up with my baby, and 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 not me not coming. So long distance no longer is an option. So I have to leave my job that I that I really enjoyed down there, and uh, we move up to Ohio to a rental house that we had never been seen because we couldn't fly up there to see it in the spring. I had the baby moved up there? Uh, fortunately, the house existed; it was real. It was right by an airport though, so we had planes shaking our house constantly for a whole year and then it just kind of became well you're doing fellowship and you took on a lot of debt so we need you to pay that off (laughs) so i i wasn't gonna have her stay home if i could do that in her stead so she finished fellowship we moved down here to alabama and she's doing very well here and it i wanted to be productive with my time because babies are obviously a lot of work but they also sleep sometimes and so I was able to kind of start a business randomly, work with people over Zoom. And fortunately it was 2020 when this happened. So people were getting used to Zoom. It was, I think, before everybody met with their financial advisor in person. And it just so happened that I started at a time when Zoom was blowing up. So I worked with folks all over the country meeting during nights and weekends when Caitlin was home. And so at first I thought, well, I'll just have to meet with them nights and weekends because that's all that works for me. And then I learned out that learned that people actually really like that because they don't have to take off work to go have a meeting with their financial advisor. And so I just kind of worked odd hours and kind of started the small business out of the house, helping people figure out what to do with retirement. And and then once the idea for the book came along, I started trying to specialize in helping people with that specific problem of, hey, let's look at planning from a two-generation or three-generation standpoint, because Retirement software doesn't really solve that problem. It just wants to maximize your individual rate of return and and tax stuff. But what this book talks about is sometimes it actually makes sense to go ahead and pay more in taxes. So for example, if your aging mother, she's in a lower tax rate than you, and you're in your prime working years of 50s or 60s, and you're in the top tax bracket, you're either going to inherit her IRA and pay ordinary income on that over time. Or she can go ahead and slowly withdraw, pull down her IRA during her life, pay her very low tax rate on that money, and then you inherit after-tax money. So we are increasing her taxes, but we're substantially decreasing taxes when you look at it from a two-generation standpoint. So again, that's just a free idea. Yeah, she's paying taxes, but somebody's paying taxes on that anyway. So it's the 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 delta of her tax bracket versus yours that's the that's the forward thinking planning and that's just another one of the, the things you can do in this book for free doesn't really cost you don't have to hire somebody to do that you can do that yourself so a lot of this has some do it yourself ideas that that you know like I mentioned earlier the retitling or let's play with some tax bracket stuff gifting you don't need to hire anybody to do this stuff but For families that are more complex or they like to help or they want to couple these ideas with wealth management, I I do serve families like that, which is really fun because it's not just picking stocks. I've never been a stock picker. The market prices are the market prices and we have a billion people guessing what every individual stock is worth at every second of the day. I'm not gonna be smarter than a billion people. So let's let us let the markets do their thing and let's control what we can control, which is not reacting to crazy market news. And if we do, let's react in a contrarian method and take advantage of the market volatility. And let's control our distribution strategies and our tax bracket uh, manipulation and all these fun things that are truly within our control.
0: That's amazing. I mean, I totally follow your story. It makes perfect sense. And my husband did the same thing when I was going on my third deployment and we were going to move and when we got out of the military and we had two kids and it gets, it gets busy when you have kids. So transitioning from him being primarily making a lot of money for the family to going to be a stay-at-home dad really maximized both of our I mean the entire family's wealth and time and all the things that we wanted, not just money, but it's always hard that transition. I know it sounded very logical and easy, but I imagine it did not feel logical and easy all the time. No,
1: it it we are both very practical people. And in fact, I was speaking with somebody else and they said, Well, does she ever resent you for also starting a business because if you truly can live off of her income wouldn't it just be nicer if you didn't have to work nights and weekends when she comes home and then she has to force more responsibilities and my reaction to that was it never crossed our minds for me to not pursue my passions too she would never Think that she she wants to support me. She's a wonderful spouse, and so it was just the most logical move for us as a family. For all right, I'll step down and do my own thing. And I've always had the entrepreneurial bug. I've always wanted to do this. I thought I'd be much later in life, and I thought we'd have money to spare when I chose to take this risk of go off and earn your own uh, money. But it happened, and we're we're making it. We're still in a lot of student debt, but it's at a low interest rate, and we're doing just fine. So That's
0: amazing. I love you. I can tell you from my own perspective, I am so glad my husband is a stay-at-home dad and doing, and he's doing some of the the real estate stuff that we've done. So the the beautiful thing about this is our paths are just endless. And we just, when you have a great partner who supports you, whatever you do, it allows you the freedom to do whatever you want. And you can actually be your true and authentic self. And you can follow the path that you're always meant to pass along. And it just unfolds the way it's supposed to be. So I just absolutely love your story.
1: Yes. And I, and I truly enjoy staying home with my girls. We got our three-year-old is in like a K3 right now. And it's it's weird having her gone, but because I'm, I'm dealing with the six-month-old and, and some of my days are a little crazier now than they were this time last year with, with, with two of them sometimes, but it's a lot of fun and and they definitely love their daddy. So I'm happy.
0: I love it. I really, really liked your title now. Like the inheritance playbook sounds exactly like what you do, which is not just thinking of your generation, but it's everyone thinking of the other generations and finding a way to do this. I think, what did you call it? The The Rubik's Cube of Proactive Inheritance. And doesn't that just fit? Because like when you move one side, the other sides are all affected. So I thought that your description of this is perfect and it's exactly what everyone needs and don't know that they need. So it's so helpful that you're in this space and creating this information that we all need to have, I highly encourage everyone to check out the Inherit playbook, helping your parents pass a torch, not the tax. The book has humor in it. It's fun and it's easy to read and with great scenarios, but you also have, just like you were saying, QR codes in here that are going to take to the website, the inheritanceplaybook.com, correct?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Perfect. All right. Yeah. So
1: I, I, I wrote the book with the I could have written it towards financial advisors to try to get more financial advisors thinking about retirement distributions in this new perspective that really no one's focusing on. But I thought, you know what, a lot of this can be done in a a DIY format. I'm going to write this to mass audience. And therefore, I don't have to get as technical as I otherwise would have to with tax code and things like that. So I had a lot more fun writing it in story format. We've got Characters in here, and they're they're thinking they're doing the right thing, and then the parent passes, and oh, here's this tax bill, or oh, we messed up, or oh, we found out we should have done something different a long time ago, and so it breaks it down. And like you said, I put humor as much as I can throughout here with sarcasm and and little silly jokes. And what I what I try to do is make it to where it's a light read. It's definitely not a tax textbook. It is education through parable like stories. So there's lessons throughout and, and, and I put dollar values to it. Like, okay, Bob and Sue did this and here was their estate and here's what the children inherited. Had they done it this way, here's the dollar difference. And oh, you see there's hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of dollars difference in, in the result. And it's a lot of fun just kind of playing with those scenarios. And all of these that are in here are real things that have happened to people. I'm not just being hypothetically this could happen. No, this this stuff does happen. And without proper planning, most people don't think of because no one's talking about this in a multi-generation perspective. But if we do it like that, we can save tremendous powers and dollars. And that's my goal here with this book.
0: Very cool. Now let's say I know this is. Obviously you made a lot of these things simple and there's easy DIY stuff, but let's say someone's like, I'm going to get all of this together now. I imagine working with someone like you is going to be helpful. So take us through what it's like to work with you. Like, where do they find you? What do they need to do? What's the time commitment? What, you know, what would you, I guess, advise someone?
1: So I, I used to work uh, on a short-term engagement with folks and say, Hey, let's, let's get together for three months. We'll knock out all the big things and, and you pay me a flat rate and we'll, you know, review Taxes, 401k, estate documents, insurance, we review all the stuff and we high five, you go about your way, call me later when things change. And what was happening is the burnout began to creep in because with that kind of turnover and I'm working part time and it was just a lot of people coming in and out and all that Time and energy I invested into getting to know someone was was then gone. And so I only do uh, long-term engagements now, and it's it's for higher net worth families with at least 1.5 million, but that's across two generations. So if if you and your parents are together, we can household that fee, that flat fee. And, and that's all on the website. FormulaWealth.com is my company. When you go to the TheInheritancePlaybook.com for the book, it's actually redirects you to formulawealth.com slash playbook, I think. So right. you're actually on my business's website and you can see the other tabs. You can see the fees tab and the services we offer, kind of see the calendar of things that we are looking at. Hey, in Q1, here's what we're covering, Q2, three, four. So typically what it looks like is you, you'll go to the website and click schedule a consultation. We'll have a no sales pushy meeting at all. Just let's get to know each other. I'll let you know if your problems you share or something I'm experienced in and and we'll talk about the fees and how we'd work together and I say all right I'm gonna send you a follow-up email y'all let me know if you want to work together so it's I I never try to get an answer up front I'm I probably should sometimes but <laughs> I just hate being that kind of pushy person so people will respond after I send the follow-up email yes or no um, or I get ghosted and that happens sometimes it's okay but I don't Try to follow up much after that. So if we move together, move forward together in the beginning, probably monthly for several months, because there's just so much to do for me to gather and understand and put together for you. And then once we have all the big stuff checked off, we move into probably a semi-annual arrangement where we meet twice a year, three times a year, all over Zoom. And texts and emails and phone calls unlimited throughout that time. So it's the, it's all built into that flat price. So it's it's less than one percent of the. Ad, and I think your industry standard is the one so percent. As long as you meet that minimum threshold, it's it's quite below one percent. So.
0: Amazing. Flat and I know that you mentioned that a lot of financial advisors will, it's important to note that their fiduciary flat rate is one aspect of it because you do not have any stake in whether people get some product or not. You're basically saying, I'm here to help you. This is my job and this is what the cost.
1: Yes. Unfortunately, this industry has a lot of bad apples or that that have conned people, specifically physicians, your high earners, your surgeons. There's a, a large target on, on y'all's back. And, and you're sold products you may or may not need and without anyone understanding what what that product is, particularly certain types of insurance and you know high expensive mutual funds or things that there's just, there's no reason for that. And so a lot of people are scared to work with a financial advisor. And I thought the best way for me to alleviate that fear is to just charge a flat fee. There's no commissions, no kickbacks. I'm not motivated to do anything for you. Other than what I truly believe is best, and so you could start to just not worry anymore when we're talking, and just trust and listen, and then let's learn together and and see what makes sense, and you know that I've got just your best interests in heart because it doesn't affect me truly. <laughs>
0: Yes. Oh, that's amazing. So that's found at formulawealth.com. Well, Chad, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, you have such a wealth of information. I'm really excited about your book and all the things that are coming after this. So again, thank you so much for coming on.
1: So much for having me. This has been fun.
0: For more information on the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.